1: Hello and welcome all you old hippies, new hippies, wannabe hippies and yippies. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I am your host Kyle Cushman. You know I take a lot of pride in welcoming guests who are living legends in the cannabis space onto my show. People whose efforts make a huge difference in the real world. I love being able to provide yet another platform for discussion for those who educate, advocate and take action. Special people who don't just talk about righting societal wrongs, but through advocacy, discussion, and education actually make change happen in a world that sometimes seems hell-bent on staying the same. Professor Charles Nesson of Harvard Law School is one of the country's leading authorities on evidence law, a nonconformist both in and out of the classroom as well as the courtroom. He encourages his law students to go beyond the typical standard of legal thinking and to challenge authority. An Ivy League icon, this Harvard Law student-turned-professor has been teaching since 1966. During his time at Harvard, he's been tuned in and turned on to the concepts of intellectual freedom, cognitive liberty, and government transparency, and has been an outspoken cannabis advocate and unapologetic marijuana smoker. His history includes representing Daniel Ellsberg in a trial surrounding charges of the leaking of the infamous Pentagon Papers, and he's been involved in several presentations to the United States Supreme Court. Professor Nesson is currently leading a project to advance restorative justice in Jamaica and according to an article online is currently, quote, interested in advancing justice in Jamaica, the evolution of the internet, as well as national drug policy, causes we can all get behind. I happily welcome Professor Charles Nesson to The Grow Show. Hello, pleasure to be here. How are you today, sir? I am Excellent. Thank you for being here. Charlie, when we met, we were standing on a beach in Jamaica, and I was getting ready to get married. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you could tell me, what kind of a read did you get off of me at that moment?
2: Well, you've got to understand the context. I was introduced to you at the Cannabis Cup being mm-hmm. celebrated in the grill, mm-hmm. the first event under the authority of the Jamaican law that mm-hmm. R.I. had advanced. And we were in the midst of celebrating it. And yes, we were. you are introduced to me as a guru, as, as a man. Oh, my. As a following with a woman who is to be your wife. Yes. And to be married on the stage of this event. And I'm given a cigarette lighter with your name on it, which <laughs> I frequently use. And that's the way I met you. <laughs>
1: That's very nice. That's that's very nice. I just wanted someone else's impression. It was just such a great amazing moment, obviously my wedding for me and my personal life, but also the event itself was just absolutely overwhelmingly wonderful. It was really wonderful to meet you. And so let's just jump right into the work that you've been doing in Jamaica. Among your many missions, you're currently leading a project to advance restorative justice. Can you tell us what exactly is restorative justice and how are you fighting for it? Restorative justice is justice that comes up from the bottom.
2: We went to work in Jamaica back in the 90s when I started the Internet Center with the idea that if Internet was to really affect a new society. The idea would have to come up from the bottom. And uh, in many ways, Jamaica seemed like just a wonderful place to go to work. So Mm -hmm. we actually went to work in the prisons in Kingston and got started with a prison reform project, introducing the inmates there to technology and establishing a radio station amongst the different Correctional Institutions and kind of took hold from there. The idea is justice up from the bottom. Uh The Rastafari represent that. The Rastafari, the people of Jamaica who've grown the marijuana, been burned out, arrested, punished, jailed, more or less discriminated against by the whole of the state mechanism now finally brought to come to a point where they've achieved respect. It's really a remarkable achievement.
1: It is. I often say that the last segment of society that it's perfectly legal to prejudice against is recreational drug users. And hopefully we are changing that. Let me just stop you, though. Sure. Recreational. The whole thing has got a legal structure,
2: right? Sure. And recreational is one category that people use. Mm-hmm. But the category that the Rastafari are moving under is not recreational. Of course. It's sacramental. Absolutely. The idea of a freedom that's rooted
1: in freedom of conscience. Absolutely. That's the idea. That is very important. That's a very important distinction. It's, it's quite different than it is here in the U.S., And I really love the whole vibe, and I love the Jamaican people. I want to get involved as well, further involved. What does the current Jamaican law say about cannabis? Is it legal? Can it be legally cultivated or consumed? They've emerged a little, but not hugely. It is not legal
2: in Jamaica. It is still illegal, and the Rastafari under the parliament are given an exemption from the application of the dangerous drug laws in order to do sacramental events. Mm-hmm. Then in That's addition, interesting. Everyone is given the okay to grow a couple of plants. They've decriminalized. They have not legalized.
1: So I also met your wife, Fern, when, when I was there in Jamaica, and she is also active in Jamaica. What roles do you and your wife play in the actual drafting of Jamaican policy? Well, to put a word on it, it's, we don't draft it ourselves. We're not mm-hmm. the persons. The idea is
2: to amplify what's coming out of Jamaica. And that's the architect of this movement is really Mark Golding, who's the Minister of Justice in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and Ras V, who is leading Rastafari. And there's a movement coming out of Jamaica that wants to fill the position that they all somehow know that Jamaica holds in the world when it comes to talking about ganja, marijuana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like somehow they recognize it's their stage. The question is, what is their message?
1: Mm-hmm. What do you feel are the biggest challenges that you face in Jamaica when it comes to loosening the country's anti-cannabis laws? The
2: biggest concern at the moment is just that they're going to be distracted for a while with the elections and this hot contest underway between the party that's been in power and the party that would like to displace them. And it becomes what they refer to as silly season. So it's almost like Mm. things get postponed for a while.
1: Does money seem to be playing a large role in this issue?
2: Yes and no. The potential attractiveness of money plays a huge issue. So there are dollar signs in the imagination of people that somehow what's opening up here is going to be wealth, right? money, money, money. And so the feeling of big capital being interested and the fear of big capital coming in and taking over.
1: Yes, and that (laughs) is a little antithetical to the whole Rastafarian ideal. Yes, absolutely. Right. What do you see as the most important issues regarding justice for ganja growers in Jamaica?
2: There are different ways of thinking about ganja. The categories in which we think about it seem to dictate a whole set of imagined structures within which we allow them to exist. So, medical marijuana or very attractive concept comes along with the concept of regulation that can be riffed from the seed all the way through to the plant, down to the very end under surveillance cameras and so forth. There's just no way that any grassroots people are going to have much to do with that.
1: Right. It is a long... I don't know if it's a battle, but it's definitely a long journey to educate. It's about it, – there has to be a lot of education going on among the people who are just simply afraid of it or feel that it is evil or bad. Education is the big element that's missing.
2: Well, it's just not so clear that that's the direction you want to go. Right.
1: Right. Well, listen, we need to take a quick break and show our sponsors some Grow Show love, but we'll be right back with Professor Charles Nesson and talk some more about this wonderful subject of Jamaica. We'll be right back.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break.
1: The next generation
0: of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled
1: technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens.
0: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com. Doc Robb, the concierge for better living.
1: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take
0: a real, raw, inside look at healthier living, while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life,
1: learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better.
0: The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are talking with Harvard Law Professor Charles Nessen. As a longtime advocate, Charles, you've been deeply involved in the cannabis community. What role does cannabis play in your life? Do you use it medicinally, recreationally? How would you categorize it? I would categorize it as sacramentally. Ah, that's interesting. Has it always been so for you? Yes, I would say so. Oh, that's very interesting. I'm curious, do you advocate for the legalization of any other drugs that are currently illegal under federal standards? Not advocate, no. Okay. So. What level of regulation do you personally feel should exist for the cannabis plant? I mean, should it be regulated as medication, a perishable good, limits on personal possession, quantities, and growing? Um, What are your personal feelings about uh, how regulation should shake out? Actually, I'm speaking to the United States.
2: Well, I think the United States has gotten itself backed into a corner that's very unfortunate for the United States. How so? Well, it puts forward this world program of drug alliance. It has a treaty alliance relationship on which the national security of the country is very much connected. Mm -hmm. And it risks that alliance with an assertion about the harmfulness of a plant Mm -hmm. that is simply not credible and increasingly not credible to any of the audiences to which the United States is trying to appeal. Mm-hmm. And so it's, got, it's in a little trouble. It's got revolt on its hands. Its own <clears throat> state institutions are bucking the trend. Colorado leads a revolt within the United States. Mm-hmm. And so there's just lots of tension and pressure on the credibility of the U.S. program. And the U.S. actually would do extremely well to recognize the Jamaican lead of recognizing the sacramental use of marijuana ganja as the Rastafari use it. Don't think sacrament means that you use it just in church. Correct, of course. For the Rastafari, nature is their tabernacle. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you Use it in a way that relates to your conscious, understanding, relationship to reality, and in a fashion that serves your sense of self, which for a great many marijuana users, the answer is definitely yes.
1: I am totally with you. Marijuana is definitely a very spiritual substance for me. I do call it my medicine. It's the only medicine that I use. And I think, unfortunately, in the United States, things like marijuana, which are so big, they get looked at as a monetary institution. And that seems to be the way we are going forward with legalization. And that's kind of the priority is who's going to profit from it? How much are we going to tax it? So it's pretty far away from a spiritual definition.
2: It's coming at it from the wrong end. Yes, I agree. That's so wonderful about Rastafari is how they look at things differently. That event that you went to was a cultural event, ganja friendly, alcohol free, Mm -hmm. completely peaceful. The cops, the police that were in charge said more peaceful than our church events.
1: It was certainly a wonderful, wonderful event. I mean, I remember my first time in Amsterdam and smoking my first legal joint and shedding a tear and sharing that experience with many people over the years, but it was completely different in Jamaica. I felt a sense of cultural change, and I felt a sense of historical importance. It really was something. It was a beautiful, beautiful event, and I hope we go back soon. Can I ask you, I know that it's not. Can you give me a quick definition? Decriminalization is not the same as legalization, correct? Yes. So what is the difference between decriminalization and legalization?
2: Well, legalization leaves it completely as a freedom. Decriminalization merely means that you won't apply the criminal law to try and stop it, but you're still okay giving traffic tickets. Right. That's a difference. And it's sure. a fundamental difference because it's the question of whether the society approves mm-hmm. or disapproves. Mm-hmm. If you're decriminalizing, you're still disapproving. You're just not
1: disapproving much. Right. And that's why it would be so nice if we could actually wake up and appreciate cannabis for the spiritual, sacramental substance that it is rather than just another monetary device. But I think that that's uh, a few decades away, possibly. Bingo. Yeah.
2: Why is it decades
1: away? We're in the age of Internet. It is. It's, it's,
2: it's, it's ever- a meme. It just needs to get out. And we've got Ungas coming up in April. Mm-hmm. Which is? Ungas. The United Nations General Assembly meeting in New York City uh-huh. on 420 to consider the world drug
1: problem. Wow. (laughs) That's quite auspicious. Charlie, how do you see cannabis legalization ultimately coming to the United States? Through what channels? Is it going to be the Supreme Court, a public vote, executive order, or a literal act of Congress? I'm not really sure, Kyle. I think what we're talking about is the
2: court of public opinion. It's like You can feel the tide changing in -hmm. the same way we've felt it changing with other human rights in our lifetime. Seeing Mm -hmm. gay marriage, for example. I mean, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Where did that happen? Who made that happen?
1: It's evolutionary,
2: correct? It is. Somehow we express ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we express ourselves collectively in who knows what legal form it's going to take. That's interesting. But when the feeling is there that hey, this would be the right way to go and I believe it is. I believe Jamaica, for example, has a problem with its own youth. How does Jamaica explain to the youth, the young kids in Jamaica, its posture with respect to Ganja? Mm. Well, if it explains it in sacramental terms where the idea is if you're going to kind of use it. You know, the idea is to use it in a way that adds to your sense of self. Some people it does, some people it doesn't. But that's not, yippee, we're going to do recreation and we're going to make loads of money and we're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's something you could actually stand behind. Yeah. The Rastafari, really, it, when you look to the Rastafari, the origins, it comes out of. Uh, Christian movement.
1: Well, I certainly have high hopes for cannabis being accepted fully as a sacrament, all out decriminalization, hopefully very soon. And I'm hoping that maybe after this presidential cycle gets out of the way, maybe the federal government will start talking about ending the drug war. I have a hope for that. We don't have a whole lot of time left, Charlie, but just out of curiosity. Knowing what a proponent of government transparency you are and having first-hand experience with the Pentagon Papers incident, I wanted to ask if you agree with the Edward Snowden situation being referred to as a modern-day Ellsberg scenario. Is that a fair comparison? Absolutely. Yeah. That's very interesting. I mean, it's definitely a, a divided opinion among Americans. Where would we be without whistleblowers?
2: Where would we be without people who feel a sense of citizenship and a love for the ideal that leads them forward in a way that's as clear-eyed as those two? Yes. Helzberg and Snowden, Those, those are two remarkable people.
1: Yes. Well, we need brave people and we need people to set examples for so many of us. Uh, who don't have a cause or an issue or anything to get us to move up off the um? So kudos to these people. And thank you very much for being with us on the show today. Unfortunately, it's gone by very quickly. I'd like to give you a moment really quick maybe to give an email address or a website that people can tune into if they want to learn some more information or maybe contact you. I am nessen at Gmail. Beautiful beautiful. Well, Professor Charles Nesson, thank you very much for being on The Grow Show today and I hope that we get to run into each other soon. Excellent. Thank you very much. We need to take another break real quick for our sponsors, so relax, take a deep toke, and we'll be right back with Ask Kyle.
0: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Hello and welcome back everybody to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. Now it's time for the final segment of the show we call Ask Kyle. I've got a few questions from our followers that sparked my interest this week, so let's get right to it. From Glenn L. via email, how much do you smoke a day and what's your favorite go-to strain? Well, Glenn, that's a little personal, but I don't mind. You know, I don't smoke as much as I used to when I was a lot younger. I think it has to do with the level of responsibility in my life. And that's just me personally. You know, I know plenty of people who are... Wake and bake tokers and they smoke all day long. They smoke before they go into every business meeting and out of every business meeting and they go through life just wonderfully. Me, life has gotten a little bit more complicated and I like to save it for certain times, you know. Sometimes I'll get high in the morning, but usually not. Sometimes I'll get high after lunch, but usually not when I have a lot of work to do. I typically wait until later in the day right now and then I just smoke to my heart's content. We have another question. John M. via Facebook. Are you ever going to start having grow classes? The growers around here could seriously use some help. Well, John, I am right now getting ready to start taping online classes that will be available on kylecushman.com. We're rebuilding the whole website. It's going to be all brand new and shiny. And it's going to have a lot of new functionality, including new free material and new paid material as well. So look forward to that coming up real soon. From Green GreenGrons420 via Twitter, do you have recommendations for best soil to use for an indoor grow? Which ones are veganic? Well, anything that doesn't have any guanos, bone meals, or blood meals are going to be veganic. I guess also fish meal would be included in that as well. So you're looking for a neutral soil, which is only going to have either sphagnum and or peat and maybe some aeration amendments like perlite or vermiculite. My favorite soil these days, you know, I go round and round, and really, it's not so much what you use, it is how you use it when it comes to soil, but I will give you my favorite. My favorite is Premier ProMix, and that's because they have a brand new formulation called ProMix CC. CC stands for Chunk Core. It has nice marble-sized chunks of cocoa core, which re- really completely prevent compacting. And they also provide a really nice aeration tool so that you always have a really good water-to-air ratio. Another question from Gary G. via email. Do you think I will have better results utilizing a solitary 1,000-watt installation or a 400-watt sun daylight and a 600-watt HPS. I'm assuming the 1,000-watt will penetrate further and give a better yield. Well, Gary, um, I think that using the multiple points of light would actually be better. You're actually providing light from multiple points and that's going to give you more mature flowers. The actual, the 400 and the 600 watts, think of it almost like a wave of water. They're going to run together and so it's going to give you the same penetration as that single thousand watt bulb while also giving you a better spread and multiple points of light. So I think barring the cost of installation, I think you'll be actually happier with the multiple lights. We have one more question here from Laura B. via email. Would you recommend starting out with seeds or clones for a first-time grower, and what would be the advantage of using seeds? That's a great question, Laura. I grew straight seeds for eight years, seed to harvest, nothing but seeds. And what I learned when I did that was that a clone plant will always be somewhat inferior to a seed. At least in its vigor and in its resistance to stress and disease. Think of it like the seed being kind of like mother's milk. We all know that uh, mother's milk provides immunities for the baby and helps build the immune system. Well, the seed has all that stuff packed in it as well. And it also has vigor, which diminishes as you get farther away from the actual seeded plant. In other words, the more cycles that you clone a plant, Some people call it genetic drift. I don't believe in that. I simply think that it's just an issue of vigor. And the longer a plant gets cloned, the more susceptible it will be to diseases and it'll have less immunity towards stresses and things like that. The only negative thing to starting out with seeds is it takes a little bit more space at first because you have to start twice as many plants as you ultimately want to keep. Now, That's only in the beginning because you don't need twice as much space through the whole time. You just need to start off with more space before you thin out the male plants. So, you know, hey, if you've got seeds, go for it. It's a great way to learn to really get to know the plant. And unfortunately, we are out of time. If you want to submit your own questions, just go to Facebook at www.facebook.com The Show, or tweet your questions to at Radio using hashtag The Gros Show or you can send a direct message to Diane at KyleCushman.com. We are out of time, and I've got to thank our guests and producers for making the show possible. Please make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, great growers forum there. You can also find out where to follow me on social media and the upcoming events I'll be attending and speaking at. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show every Wednesday by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Once again, thanks for joining us. I am your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, please stay lifted.